and welcome to episode number 92 of the Lions Podcast. Joined each and every week by Brett Colson, the man in charge over at the Lions and Play Picks. And this is coming to you on Monday, right after the Super Bowl. And we wanted to be sure and get to you guys early and give you a reaction of everything that went down. On that Sunday evening over there in Miami, Brett, it was, um, you know, you and I fortunately were able to uh, pick the right side of the Super Bowl here. The game kind of played out. I'm not going to say exactly like we said, but pretty damn close to how we kind of talked about how this game was going to play out. Well, not for me. I mean, this didn't play out anything like I thought it would. I, I, I expected the Chiefs would get off to a much quicker start and therefore the 49ers would have to throw the football more and kind of got the opposite of that, honestly. So I I actually felt fortunate that some of my props were alive there at the end, but man, I got destroyed last night. I got annihilated by the book. Oh, that is, that is unfortunate. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was a monster, monster, monster game for me. I, uh, you know, as everyone knows, I was very, 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 I was very vocal about how high I was on the Chiefs. I think everybody knows that. I talked about that I took the Chiefs at pick uh, before the line. I mean, basically, as soon as the line became available, as soon as they posted that line at the halftime of the NFC game, I went in and I nailed the Chiefs. I ended up taking some more action on the Chiefs at minus one, and then I took the Chiefs at minus four and a half and the Chiefs at minus ten and a half. So it was uh, quite a good that touchdown that was in the end of the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, completely meaningless for Damian Williams at the end of the game. Brett, that touchdown was a several thousand dollar touchdown for me. And I cannot begin to I want to write a thank you letter to Damian Williams for scampering in the end zone right there at the end, because not only did that get my, you know, it secured my minus four and a half, secured my minus ten and a half, but it also put them on 31 points. And I also had the Chiefs to score exactly 31 points in the game. My so God. it was um, it was something of beauty that last what seemed to be a completely meaningless touchdown for some was very, 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 very meaningful for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, we'll talk about the Damian Williams touchdown there at the end when we, we get into the MVP talk. Uh, we'll debate that later. But, uh, yeah, you ran about as pure as possible last night. You didn't even get into the Patrick Mahomes rushing thing yet. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, you guys also know if you listened to the last two weeks of podcast, I was, you know, one of the very first props I made was over Patrick Mahomes rushing at 24 and a half. DraftKings opened it what I considered to be just way, way too short. And by all indications, it seemed that they definitely had made it way too short. Um, One of the things was, is, you know, we know everyone likes to bet overs. And here in Vegas, the money just really, really started pouring in late on the over on that. And one of the books here in Vegas got all the way up to 34 and a half rushing yards for Patrick Mahomes, which would have given, you know, gave me a 10 yard middle. And so. Uh, at that point, you know, Brett was something that is so, you know, the range of outcomes, I guess, is kind of variant as to how many times he has to scramble and how many times whatever. But we know that there were a lot of sharp people out there whose projections 
had him kind of right in that, you know, 28 ish, 29 ish. And that's why they weren't really running to the window to take the over at 31 or 32. And so when he got all the way to 34, I was like, hell, I'm going to take the 10, 10 yard middle here. Of course, he was sitting at 40, you know, 44, 43, depending on, you know, there was varying reports of what it was, but he takes 15 yards worth of knees at the end <laughs> and I hit the middle on that. So yeah, about as pure as a human can run. Uh, I got involved in game as well. I got back down on the chiefs when it, uh, when they got, they, you know, they moved when they were down 10, the line moved to plus six and a half for the chiefs. And then at that point, you know, I just thought there was zero chance in hell that the chiefs were going to get shut out in the second half of the game. Uh, offense, just too good. Uh, Patrick Mahomes just too good and so whenever they gave me the chance to get at six and a half I went ahead and uh, I jumped on that as well so of course that came to fruition so it was a it was an all-around real big um, you know Super Bowl for me I mean we talked about some of the other props and and you know we'll, we'll talk about those here uh, in, in just a second but it was um, you know top to bottom really good I mean I guess let's just talk a little bit I mean we're, this isn't sports talk radio but just a little bit about what you thought about the 49ers performance there I, I saw a lot of people who come out with all these oh Kyle Shanahan outscored whatever it was 46 to nothing in the second halves of blah blah, blah yada, yada yada I mean dude Brett I mean yeah there were a couple of different decisions he could have made but at the end of the day I mean, he got Mahomes. I mean, the the, yeah. the defense of the Chiefs stepped up when they had to, and 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 then he got Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes made the huge plays in the huge moments, and like you know, yeah, it's easy. That's low hanging fruit. Let's go and let's blame the coach because you know Patrick Mahomes is able to outscramble their pass rush that, that was able to get home on multiple occasions and he was able to get away from them. He let's blame the coach because Tyreek Hill found himself open, you know, in a blown coverage for a 44-yard play that completely shifted the entire course of the entire game. I mean, I get it. It's a low-hanging fruit. Yeah, let's blame the coach, but I mean, for me, yes, there were a couple of little small decisions, but again, I think that they were 50-50 decisions. I don't think that they were egregious decisions. That, that Kyle Shanahan made. And at the end of the day, to me, I think he just got Mahomes. Yeah, I agree. That, that's the question. Can we take anything from another blown lead by Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan in a Super Bowl? Was he too conservative? Did he give up on the run too quickly and put Jimmy G in, you know, out of his comfort zone? Those are questions I, I can't really answer this morning or today without diving through the game again, sober this time, uh, which I will do this week. But but I, I don't think you can blame coaching for this one. Like you said, this was Patrick Mahomes doing Mahomes things. He's now five and zero in his career when he's down by 10 or more points. I saw I saw that from uh, Trey Wingo this morning. That's incredible. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's highly unlikely that this type of metric is built into these live betting algorithms at the books. And a lot of people were able to capitalize on an opportunity last night on the money line. They were plus 300 in the fourth quarter with the ball down 20 to 10. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, you know, you can look back to that if you want to. Sure. That's fine. You can look back to, to that, you know, big blown lead in one. Let's also, let's also remember, you know, not the head coach in that game that anyway was, you yeah, know man. you know not the head coach in that game so like yeah okay let's go ahead and blame Kyle Shanahan for the yeah okay whatever but not not the head coach in that game and then also you you look back at this game yeah okay you're talking about the conservative stuff and I, I get it and could they have you know continued to just run 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 but the problem was is they had started to find less and less success when they were when they were, were running the ball because the Chiefs defense started to play 
much better. And honestly, I think it was the opposite of the he got too conservative. I, you know, I think he started passing the ball because he I think deep down he knew that 20 points was not going to be enough to to beat this Chiefs team. I think deep down he knew that the Chiefs had another run in them and that, that his defense, as well as they were playing, was likely not going to shut out Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the second half. And so, you know, again, small, minute details and small little decisions, I think, that you can nitpick here and there. But I think sometimes we're too quick to to lay blame instead of actually heaping praise. And I, I would much rather just heap praise on that Chiefs offense and, and specifically Patrick Mahomes and specifically Every single time in that second half that they needed the big play, he made the big play, whether it was escaping a pass rush, scrambling for a first down, finding Tyreek Hill in that blown coverage, whatever it might be. It just seemed like every time he did it and he got it done. Yeah, I'm with you. People are people are so quick to jump on coaching in these in these games. But I mean, the 49ers were the better team for three quarters. They just happened to. You know, the best player in the world just happened to get them in the fourth quarter. That was it. That's right. that's what I saw. You and me both, man. You you and me both. I'm actually glad to hear that because I didn't want to I didn't want to have an argument about that. That's for sure. That just seemed to me that's the first thing everyone wants to say. So oh my God, it's a it's a pattern. Look at him look at him blowing leads. It's a pattern in big games. Yeah, nice 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 sample there, guys. Yeah, I know. It's just like, come on, man. This is just uh, absurd. All right, so let's talk about these props. Of course, we talked a ton about the props leading into the game. It was I talked to a couple of different uh, bookmakers just yesterday and who's who said that they are actually kind of licking their chops at at the thought of just, you know, prop betting and, and the future of everything as this becomes oh, yeah. more and more, uh, you know, available across the United States, because, you know, even at an independent book in Las Vegas, I was over at the South Point and even at an independent book, they had people. And this is something you and I talked about, you know, time and time on this uh, time and time again on this podcast with the legalization of, of sports betting is the the death of Vegas. Actually, you know, I, it is something that they are actually kind of reveling over here and they're jumping up and down about it. And even the independent shops that don't have books across the country, because what we found, what, what, what they found yesterday is it was just more educated betters that were still coming to Las Vegas to, to bet on the Super Bowl because they're still coming to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. And so it was, you know, people from all over the country and their prop handle, they were seeing, People were just more familiar with everything and they knew what was going on a little bit better and they were more open to some of these props that are out there and and all that. And and, and Brett, I, you know, our, our friends over at PointsBet, I saw right before kickoff yesterday, there were 531 different ways that you could bet on the Super Bowl. And that was like right before kickoff yesterday. It would not surprise me if they find a way to get that number to 700 by the time next year's Super Bowl kicks off. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's the future for sure. And, and as far as Vegas goes, we, we wrote about this several times after the repeal of PASPA here at the lines. I mean, it, it opened up the opportunity for states to legalize sports betting. And it's not just knowledgeable bettors. It's people who are finding sports betting now that it's in the news and it's legal. And they, you know, they there's not that stink on sports betting and gambling. It's just 
it's it's you're going to see people who would go to Vegas too just for the entertainment aspect of it now finding themselves in the sports book as well. I mean, it's just Vegas is a destination. It will always be a destination for sports betters and gamblers. That's they like people plan their trips around the March Madness, the Super Bowl every single year. That's never going to change. So Vegas will continue to thrive uh, even as all these states are, are up and running. The very last of the prop bets that was going to be paid out was the MVP. They were waiting up on stage and everyone was analyzing and everyone was scanning the stage and everyone said, I don't see Damian Williams standing up towards the front anywhere. I don't see him. And sure enough, they call the name of Patrick Mahomes instead of Damian Williams and Patrick Mahomes wins MVP. It becomes the first kind of debate. Uh, I actually put out a tweet that I, you know, I don't delete tweets. And so I, it's still there. Ah, but, I was going to ask about that. But, <laughs> I saw um, this one. Yeah. Uh, I felt Damian Williams at the time was robbed. I actually did go back and watch the, uh, the all 22 this morning. I was doing a, uh, a simulcast of the show. So, I, you know, I was watching the game, but it's, it's a different way to watch the game, you know? And, and so, yeah. uh, I did go back and watch the, just the, the condensed version this morning and I got a different perspective. And this is one of the things that you will always get from me, not only, you know, on the on the on this podcast, but any on Twitter or whatever it might be. I was wrong. And here is the reason that I feel like I was wrong. And it was because of exactly what we were talking about earlier when we were breaking down the game. The, st- the stats themselves aren't necessarily gaudy by Patrick Mahomes standards. We look and you see. Okay, he didn't even throw for 300 yards. You see, oh, well, only two touchdowns to go along with two picks. But what you don't really what you don't really see, Brett, is like, yeah, okay, technically finishes with 29 rushing yards. We know that it was 44 rushing yards, right? 44 rushing yards and those 44 rushing yards, each and every single one of those yards was incredibly necessary for that Kansas City Chiefs team. It was extending drives. It was extending plays. It was turning sacks into positive gains. It was everything that you needed from a special player in special moments. And yeah, the 26 of 42 for 286 and two touchdowns and two picks doesn't seem like necessarily MVP worthy. But then when you go back and you watch all the rush plays, and you factor in those 44 yards, and I understand it's only 44 yards, but they were friggin' important 44 yards, man. And once you really start to factor that in, I do now, I am okay now with the Patrick Mahomes MVP, and I certainly would never say that Damian Williams got robbed. Now, had they had they said Damian Williams' name, it would, and, and if he was holding the trophy right now, I would not be upset, but... I did change my perspective after I went back and rewatched the game. I would be upset. I mean, look, Mahomes was not good Mahomes for three quarters. He was missing receivers, throwing picks, one of which was the probably the worst I've ever seen him throw. And, but a lot of this had to do with Nick Bosa and the tremendous job the 49ers did getting pressure. Like, Mahomes was not good for most of the game. But, again, we talked about this on our Saturday pod. It would take either a horrifying game from Mahomes and or a colossal performance from one of his teammates in a win to get that award from voters because Patrick Mahomes is that offense. And I don't think Damian Williams did enough. Just looking at the stats alone. I mean, Williams was good. He did what he was supposed to do. 17 for, I think one Oh four, four catches for 29, two touchdowns, but 30 of those rushing yards there at the end of the game 
were empty yards. And like the sharp move on that play is to fall down after you pick up the first down, then kneel the game out. And by scoring that touchdown, he actually gave the 49ers a mathematical chance to still win the football game. I know it's a small chance, but still, I'm going to penalize him for that. It was not a smart football play, and it hurt the team. And Mahomes was his brilliant self in that fourth quarter. Like he's he's the leader of that team. He provides more value to the Chiefs than any player in the National Football League, and it was on display last night when it mattered. Uh, I thought he was tremendous, and I, I I I would have been upset if he didn't win. Yeah, there was only one. There was only one other player I thought maybe could have done have won it, and that was Chris Jones. But then I looked at the the stat stat line it just said one tackle because so much of what he did didn't show up in the stat box so i thought there, there's just no way chris jones is going to win the award but he was the really the only other guy i would have been okay with i think yeah but i mean okay so you're penalizing damian williams for you know not falling down at the goal line i mean the patrick mahomes threw an egregious interception another horribly thrown ball that ended up picked several other terrible terrible passes throughout the course of the game I mean, it, it, by that logic, you would have to you would have to penalize him as well. And you're talking about empty yardage. I mean, he hit 44 of his 286 passing yards were a absolute blown coverage where you or I could have completed a pass to, to the pass to Tyreek Hill. And not only that, he actually put too much air underneath it. And if he'd have thrown it on a rope, Tyreek Hill would have moonwalked into the end zone. And instead, Tyreek Hill had to sit there and wait on the ball to get to him. And he ended up getting tackled. Now they scored the touchdown anyway. But still, so. I mean, yeah, you can nitpick the you can nitpick the Damian Williams performance just as much, though. I can nitpick the the Patrick Mahomes performance as well if you wanted to go that route. Well, no, I I can absolutely you can nitpick Mahomes for three quarters. I just said he wasn't good, but he like what he did was still enough. Like he is he is that football team. Like the value that he provides uh, on offense, you can't. You can't measure it. I mean, Damian Williams was good, but Mahomes was still, especially in the fourth quarter, he was more than deserving of of winning that award. And I just I didn't see enough out of Williams to, to take it away from him. Yeah, I mean, I guess all you can really do is ask your is ask your running back to go over 100 yards, average 6.1 yards per carry, catch four balls out of the backfield and score two touchdowns. I don't know much more that you can ask of of uh, of your of your running back. But again, I, I'm I am OK with Patrick Mahomes winning the the award like I said after I went back and rewatched because I f- I feel what he did with his legs is kind of the thing that people glossed over and and me even at first uh, me even at first kind of glossed over it and then uh and then once I just saw how meaningful every single one of those scrambles was uh that is certainly MVP worthy to me yeah, the one where he took that huge hit to probably not a sharp play by not him a there, sharp play that, by him in the least bit. Yeah, no. but he did. He was going for it, man. Like you got to respect the guy for that. And uh, man, yeah, he was awesome. So Damian William rushing overs. I was fortunate enough <laughs> to have the over on the rush yards for Damian Williams. Felt good about that. That got there. Uh, very, very big time. I can tell you much to the chagrin of one better over in New Jersey that we talked about. Put two hundred and sixty seven thousand dollars down on the under fifty three and a half for Damian Williams. And basically at halftime, that was almost done for him. You could see that yep. the pacing of the way that they were using Damian, Damian Williams and the success that he was having, that that was going to be uh, definitely up in a cloud of dust and certainly certainly it was um 
Brett, you and I can only hope that the person who did lose the $267,000 on this is someone who, if they lose $267,000, it is just not that big of a deal to them. Based on what John Sheeran at FanDuel said, it sounds like he's a regular high stakes better. So I don't think they would accept a bet like that unless they knew that he was in a position to place a bet like that. I would hope anyway. So I, I think I think he's OK. If you listen to our podcast, you guys know that I was on Kyle Juszczyk overs because of the way that I thought that things were going to be drawn up for him. Fortunately, that got home on the very first reception for Kyle Juszczyk. He went over the nine and a half yards that I was able to get that bet down at. You could still find it at ten and a half and eleven and a half at other places out there. And of course, he soared over all of those numbers. Um, there was just too many signs I think for me Brett that they were as as inventive as Kyle Shanahan is with his play calling and the way as much as he you know had two weeks to draw things up it just seemed it just seemed very likely to me that they were at least going to draw up a few different a few different looks at use checks slipping out of the backfield and that was exactly what happened yeah you nailed it and it's it seemed like Shanahan, not that they were forcing it, but it definitely seemed like Shanahan wanted to get wanted to get check involved. Right. One of the guys that he trusts. I mean, that's, he's one of the best players on that team and in the biggest, you know, the biggest situation of the year. Uh, yeah, he was getting more looks last night than he did on an average NFL Sunday. So, yeah, great read by you. Use check. Uh, that was a pretty easy one. Um, got on this one late and fortunately um, you know once the news came out that, that Tevin Coleman was was definitely going to play and was active and every started reading some of the beat writers who was saying that they expected you know and I take the beat writer stuff sometimes with a grain of salt but it was coming from multiple different sources that that they expected Tevin Coleman to not only play but to have a significant role in the offense it was very, very late, but I think it actually worked in my favor because it it gave the time for the betting public to pump those Mostert rushing yards back up again. And I was able to get in at under 77 and a half, uh, under 77 and a half rushing yards on Mostert based strictly off of information that I was getting, you know, kind of on on Twitter leading into the way that, uh, you know, the way that they said that they were going to go about the, the game and sure as hell, I mean, sure enough, uh, Brett, we were looking and three minutes into the second quarter, Raheem Mostert had yet to have a carry in the game. It That's was crazy. crazy. It yeah, was nuts. It, it was nuts. I mean, I don't know that. I guess that if anything you wanted, if you wanted to question Kyle Shanahan and his his strategy going in was, you know, as as well as Mostert had run and as good as they had had uh, run that offense using it through him. Um, the fact that, you know, you get through a full quarter and a few minutes into the second quarter before he ever even touches the ball. I guess that could be something maybe if you wanted to nitpick and poke some holes in something. Yeah, it's not like Matt Breda was involved either. Did he even sniff the field last night? I don't night? think so they, he I mean, they played were, a snap. I do yeah, not they, think he they, played a snap. They were drawing runs for Debo Samuel and, and finding ways to, you know, turn short passes into you know, almost like design runs that way. But yeah, I couldn't believe uh, the lack of production Mostert had in the first in the first half. But uh, he, got, he got going there in the second he half, did. but really not much, of, not much of a sweat for you. No. And, and Brett, if, if people listen to our Saturday pod, though, I mean, we kind of talked our way into the under on Mostert there. Once we you know, we were giving the case for how he does not get there, which was, listen, every single touch you don't get 
is a notch in is certainly a notch in towards the unders belt. And then, you know, of course, you and I had a certain game script and we certainly wouldn't have thought that with the way the game went early that he would be sitting at the yardage total that he was sitting at. But uh, I got a little bit fortunate there for sure. But if you go along with the game script that we had in mind and then also that they looked like they were going to be siphoning off some of his touches, I did not know they were going to give three rushing attempts to Debo Samuel and, and all of that as well. But there were at least some signs that started to point towards the the under for for Mostert. So here's what's frustrating for me and something I might need to adjust with my own betting. I got too caught up with a few specific player props that went according to the script that I had mapped out. I liked the Damian Williams over. I liked the Raheem Mostert, Mostert under, but I didn't bet them because I went heavy on a few of the others. I probably need to get more i mean diversify a little bit more with the the script that i like because obviously that's not it's not always going to go according to plan as it did not last night but yeah i, sh- I definitely should have had some exposure to the williams over the most under so i i didn't get crushed the way i did but um yeah it, again you, you know we talked about it on saturday this was a, a great play if it went according to plan i certainly didn't see most having a, this little Meaning production that- in the first half, but um, even then, you know, I even in a, a 49ers win, if they if, if they win this game, I I don't see him getting there. It was a very, very confusing game plan from the 49ers. And then, of course, we talked about uh, at the top of the podcast about Patrick Mahomes rushing total. This was one of the more popular bets, weirdly enough, uh, amongst the sharp community. A lot of people on the overs early, a lot of people on the unders late, and then the public came back in on the over after that. So this number was just moving all over the place. And at one point, you were sitting there, and no matter what number you had gotten it at, you were feeling pretty great about it because Patrick Mahomes was about to kneel out the game, sitting on 43 rushing yards, and instead of just kneeling traditionally like a lot of people do, Patrick Mahomes ended up taking 15 yards worth of losses in those knees, including a seven yard loss on the third down kneel, kneel down. And with that, Brett finishes with 29 rushing yards, which was under a good portion of the numbers that were posted out there for the majority of the week. And that, my friend, is a bad beat. It is a pretty gross beat, something that you cannot cap for. You should not cap for that. A guy is just going to run backwards like that when, you know, normally a guys nil and it's, you know, one or two yards backwards. So, I mean, that, that was that's a tough one to swallow after Mahomes did such a good job running the ball all night. Uh, yeah, that that's a pretty brutal one. A couple of other kind of bad beats, too. I think, you know. Uh, first touchdown, if you were holding a Damian Williams first touchdown ticket, he yeah. goes down at the inch yard line. Then they pull him out of the game. And if you had a long shot ticket on Darwin Thompson, <laughs> your eyes get as big as saucers. He gets the carry and it looked like to the naked eye he got in. And they don't even bat an eye at trying to review it, Brett. Like, they didn't even care. They just rolled right back out there and ran another play. And then Patrick Mahomes gets in as the first touchdown score. Darwin Thompson goes off at 40-1 to to score the first touchdown at DraftKings. And if you were holding that Darwin Thompson ticket, my heart does go out to you because I'm sure that would have made the Super Bowl party you were sitting at much sweeter had you hit that one early in the game. 
like even if you bet Darwin Thompson first touchdown, that's not the way you imagine you're going to get it, right? Like the, the goal line carry was that his first goal line carry as a chief? That's unbelievable. The guy was 170 pounds. I know, and it was. Did it, did you think he got in? Because like to us, I it, naked eye, yeah, it's like to naked eye, I thought he got in. And that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, really? Like people who bet Darwin Thompson first touchdown are going to get paid off here? But <laughs> alas, it did not happen. Would have been a great story if it did, though. Still goes to Mahomes, who actually was was yeah, sitting anywhere between 20 and 25 to 1, uh, depending on what book you got it at. So still a f- another fairly long shot there for uh, Mahomes. So yeah, good good job on anyone holding that Mahomes ticket right there. Now, some of the props that did not get there, I was big on the Manny Sanders receiving props, and that was just a real, real, real big tease. Of course, it finishes it. The uh, prop set at three and a half receptions. He finishes with three. It was at 40 and a half yards. He finishes with 38. And of course, we know that both of those would have gone over had Jimmy G not missed him on what was a wide open walk-in touchdown where he had beaten and was two steps clear of his closest defender and Garoppolo throws it eight yards over his head. So not only was it kind of tilting that he finishes with three and 38, which was right there on the line, but any any sort of uh, any sort of good pass whatsoever and he soars over both of those totals. So I did not win those. I did not win them all, fellas, on yesterday. And Manny Sanders not getting there. I do feel sorry about that. I know I was pretty high on that and gave that out. And I felt I felt um, you know pretty good about that, about that one actually, Brett, throughout the course of the game. I had all of the Manny Sanders props, man. That was that that throw. I, w- I jumped out of my seat. I was like, "That's it," because I, I saw him fly past the defenders. He had like two steps on them. I knew the ball was going there. All we needed was a, a semi-decent throw from Jimmy G. And, and it wasn't just Manny Sanders on that either. I had Jimmy G over 20 and a half completions. He finished with 20. Right. I had him over 240 passing yards. He finished with like 219. Like that was it. And that that pass turns my night from a disaster into a pretty profitable night because I had so many props for those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, that is just a complete, complete bummer. Um, although <laughs> I hate to keep saying all these ones that I win, but guys, I listen, I had a good Super Bowl. It is what it is. Yeah. If you um, if you guys remember, I was on the attempts as opposed to the uh, completions and the <laughs> attempts did get there. Um, uh, the attempts did get there by one. So that uh, as far as the Jimmy G passing props, they weren't all bad. And that one actually uh, did get home. And it was just uh, it was fortunate that one only get, that one only got there by one. But hey, it still cashes when you get to that. I thought. Jimmy G at some point, especially from a yardage perspective, Brett was a pretty heavy favorite to actually get there whenever I kind of looked where he sat and what I knew that they needed to end the game out. And of course, you know, as we mentioned, pretty much everything gets home for him if he hits Manny Sanders on that one pass. I mean, that was literally a prop changing, a sports book changing pass right there because I mean you know it gets his uh it gets him another touchdown pass it gets uh his his completions over it gets his yardage over it gets Manny Sanders over it gets uh his there's Manny Sanders receptions over I mean we're, we're talking like a pretty big swing here because again all of these were some of the more popular props that were that were bet on yesterday yeah not to mention the actual like money line and spread themselves could have been affected by right, that as right. well i mean you just never know but yeah that was a huge play and one i will be i will remember that one for a while the and the other just is is 
fun for us to talk about here. We talked about all the steam that was coming in on betting purple for the purple Gatorade for the tribute. And that was not only not the case, but we were joking that when me and Brett were kids, you had two friggin' flavors of Gatorade, right? You had yellow and you had orange. Well, it was orange that went on Andy Reid, damn it. And it was plus 750 over at FanDuel. So if you were able to get on the orange, good on you for betting the old school. It was plus 750, the longest of long shots that you could have bet on it over there at FanDuel. And I am glad that it was orange, Brett. Well, it's funny because I was joking with some friends yesterday morning that the or- there was actual orange steam on DraftKings yesterday morning. It went from some plus 750 to plus 400. I was like, somebody knows something. <laughs> like Somebody knows that this is not going to be purple. I am not surprised that they did not do a Kobe tribute because why? Like, right. why, why would they? And it's not just, obvious it, to people who aren't paying it. To, you know, like like it's not obvious to people just watching at home either. Right. I mean, like it's yeah. so it's it's one of those. If, if you have to explain something, then it's not really like a tribute. You know, it's not like the all the guys at the at the waste management that were, you know, when they got to the 16th, were putting on the Kobe jerseys and stuff and all that. Like you don't have to explain that. It's a tribute. They play the whole wearing the jerseys and everyone gets what's going on. There would have been 90 percent of the viewing uh, of the viewing public at home who if if Purple Gatorade's poured on the coach, they, they just think like, oh, Purple Gatorade got poured on the coach. Like no one. It, if you have to start adding five things together, it's probably not that good of a tribute. These guys have been pouring their blood and sweat on the football field for six months. Why? Why would they do it for Kobe? Like, why would why would they even think about Kobe? Why would Kobe yeah. be in in the equation? I don't, I don't understand that. So uh, I was I was stunned when I heard about the Kobe rumors, um, and, and that th- that was driving the purple action. Uh, so I, I was I was kind of happy to see that, that that there wasn't a Kobe tribute there, and that they just kind of did their own thing. Yeah, and and honestly, I I I'm being dead honest with you, like. When it was orange, uh, it, just a little piece of me, just like I, I was glowing on the inside because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, that a way to go old school. Andy Reid, too. Of course, of all people, you think Andy Reid's not going to have orange Gatorade on the sideline? <laughs> he probably didn't even know they make red and blue and purple and all that or whatever. He didn't know what a Mountain Rush flavor is. He had no no clue. Yeah, it was like a 50-50 shot. It's either orange or lime or, or lemon right. lime or whatever it is. Yeah, right. yeah, that's it. That's it. That's a, that's all there is to it. But uh, guys, hope you had a good Super Bowl. Hopefully the props worked out in your favor because it was uh, certainly fun and it is only going to get more fun uh, as we move forward with all this because they're going to get more and more creative with all these props. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I got my ass kicked and I still had fun. So there here you we go. Are. See, there you go. <laughs> um, but it's never too early, Brad, as always. To start thinking about what? Yeah, next year. How about Super Bowl 55? How about that? Uh, We're looking at the championship game in 2021. So a a whole year from now. So if you want to go ahead and you want to lock up your hard earned dollars (laughs) right now here on February the 3rd for an entire year. Guess what? DraftKings and FanDuel will let you do that. You can head over to their sports book and you can bet on the 2021 pro football champion of course the shortest of odds is the kansas city chiefs you would not be surprised that right after that is the baltimore ravens and you would not be surprised that right after that are the san francisco 49ers now the next couple of teams actually are minimally surprising to me brett so chiefs at 600 ravens at 800 and the niners at a thousand over on DraftKings, 650 700 and 900 over on fanduel but Then we go to the Saints and we go to the Patriots, two teams 
that as we sit right here on Monday, February the 3rd, do not have a starting quarterback. Yeah, and and even if they did have their usual starting quarterbacks coming back, can we trust these guys anymore? Do I trust Tom Brady anymore to win the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. Well, not with the weapons. they. I mean, so here's the thing, and this is why I think that the, the Patriots one is more surprising to me than the Saints one, because, look, even if Breeze comes back, one, I think you and I would both agree, uh, Breeze has infinitely more left in the tank than Brady does. Like, yes, I think we saw sure. that, yeah. And then, two, there's actually weapons around Breeze down there in, in New Orleans. But, I mean... Unless the Patriots do a pretty big overhaul on offense, which, you know, they certainly might. That that certainly has to be at least in the plans. But as we sit right here on Monday, February the 3rd, 2020, we certainly don't know that that's going to be the case. Um, There's just nothing around him either. Not only do I think that he is on the way, 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 way downside of his career, but there's nobody for him. There's 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 they do not have the the firepower to win the Super Bowl. With anything that is with any way, shape, or form that that roster could be, it could be constructed right now. I've been screaming it all year. This is a bottom ten, maybe even bottom five roster. This roster is not good. They just happen to have a mastermind in preparation and game planning that puts them in position to win football games. But man, like you put this team up against the Chiefs, and you can see it. The Ravens, you see it. They're just not nearly as good at football as the other side. So uh, Patriots, even at plus 1400, I, I, I can't get behind that. I feel like I feel like the dynasty is it might be over. Let's just say you had the bankroll to where locking up money for 364 days would make sense to you. Do any of the numbers on any of these teams look enticing to you? Well, first, I mean, unless you see a number here that you're in love with, don't bet this early. These prices are way too low. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get value. I don't think you're gonna get value on any of these teams right now, to be honest. Uh, the sports sports the sports books do that for a reason. But if there was one, I would probably go back to the Indianapolis Colts. I like this roster. I love the coaching staff. I love the culture they have there. I can see a bounce back year here. They have so much cap space to spend in the off season if they want to. So I, I think they have a, uh, quite a few draft picks. I know they picked up a, a second rounder, an additional second rounder last year when they traded out of the first round. So, I mean, they, they've got the capital uh, to, to win. I feel like they could win that division this year. I said that this year, but I really, I expect them to bounce back and win that division next year. The other team I really like is Denver. Another team that has a lot of cap space and, put it together there in the second half of the season. They lost a lot of close games early in the season, but I think that's, that could be a playoff team uh, that makes a push. I, I liked what I saw out of Drew Locke this year as well. So Indy and Denver are probably the two teams I'm looking at. Indy at plus 4,000, Denver at plus 5,000. So uh, I think you're going to find a better price on those two teams later than what they are at now. But uh, that those are the two teams I'm looking at. I think the only one that really jumps off the page to me, if you if you wanted to get on them now, because I do think that the odds will probably go the opposite direction would be if you had any inclination to, to bet the Raiders, because we're talking about, you know, listen, they are about to get a ton of love, right? They are coming to Las Vegas. The draft is in Las Vegas. They're going to be playing in this new stadium. They're going to have, they have an ass load of draft picks. We don't know what they're going to do at quarterback either. Right. I mean, like, like, listen, 
I'm I normally would completely just just brush this off and brush this aside. But, you know, they are saying that if Brady did not want to resign, resign with the Patriots, that the Raiders are a real option for him. And, you know, listen, I'm. I would be a, I would be skeptical if that had not come from anyone other than Adam Schefter and like he's just Adam Schefter's just not full of shit you know like he just doesn't say, he doesn't put things out just for the sake of putting things out and so someone who is a pretty damn good source Brett told Adam Schefter that you know hey if Brady wants out of New England that that he could end up in the desert. But how much value does a 43-year-old Tom Brady, now out of that New England system, how much value does he bring to a new team? Is he that much better than a Derek Carr? Uh, well, he can't throw a football. Well, um, is he <laughs> better we than Derek Carr? I'm, yes. I'm very low on Derek Carr. So okay. my answer to that is yes, but I mean, I'm very low on Derek Carr. I do not think Derek Carr is is a winner, to be honest with you. You're probably right, but even even still, like I I don't I don't see Brady doing it anywhere but New England. Yeah, I, I'm a, with you. I don't think I don't think it'll happen. I'm just I guess I'm saying that I can see this Raiders number being on the move, and if there's any, you know, and listen, here's the thing: Gruden is the wild card here, right? Like he is. He, he he's crazy, man. Like he's nuts. And what they end up doing here, if they decide, I mean, we saw this with the way that they've handled this team so far. And, 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 you know, if he makes a decision, Brett, if he decides, Hey, I don't want car quarterback anymore. Car is not going to be a quarterback and they are going to go out and they're going to find somebody else. And there is, there is no shortage of quarterbacks that are, that are available and that are going to be available you know, this offseason. And so, you know, just saying it's 60 to one right now, I could see that one being on the move just because of all the hype that will be surrounding that team with the draft being here. Of course, they're going to talk about the Raiders a million times in April. All of that. People are going to be in town for the draft, probably start betting their teams and all the different things like that. So I don't know. I, I think if there's if there's anyone that I would bet if I had an interest in it strictly because I think the number might actually get worse, I think it could be the Raiders. Well, I'll tell you what, and, and this is one of the reasons why I like the Ravens so much going into last year because there was so much steam on the Browns. If there is all this steam on the Raiders and you've got the defending world champions in Kansas City in that same division, I like the Broncos even more because you can probably get a really good price on them to win a division or even go further. I mean, I, that that's that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. If there if there are a lot, it's a lot of money coming in, a lot of bets coming in on the Raiders. I'm going to pivot off and, and go to the Broncos. Let's be for real, though. I mean, I wish I was, you know, if I was worth a billion dollars, I would just max bet the Chiefs right now. Yeah, that does that does feel. I mean, uh, I mean, you just look at this team. They're they're all young. They're all in their rookie deals. They're not like losing anyone. They're not. Yeah. I, it's just it's like everything is coming back. I mean, I, I, you know, I guess you can go, you can play that whole Super Bowl hangover thing and you can play that whole, you know, did they, they got their taste and so will they be as hungry type stuff and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, you know, these guys don't go play for them just for the fun of it. Yeah. You know, they still want to win championship. I don't buy into all that, that narrative garbage and stuff. Like I think that they're 
of course they want to win the, another Super Bowl. Of course they want to win another championship. Of course the, 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 they want that feeling again. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, just, it, it's hard for me to find. I, I understand why the Chiefs, Ravens, and 49ers are so heavily favored here because I think rightfully so from what we know and what's coming back that, that you know, they are definitely the three favorites. Got to wonder, though. I mean, just looking last year, the Ravens, nobody was talking about the Ravens and the 49ers going into last year. Like, who who was going to be the Ravens and the 49ers going into this season? Are yeah. there any? Four- I mean, the Chief, the Chargers are fairly talented, and we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback there. Um, that defense right. got healthy towards the end of the year and started playing much better defense. And, of course, we know the weapons on offense that they have there for the Chargers. Um, that, that, that's just one of a plethora. That, 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 when you look up and down this, Brett, this is like the interesting thing, right? So you look at these teams and it's, and let's just, you know, yeah, it's assumed that, that Brees will come back. But listen, as we sit here, let's just talk about the stuff that's confirmed. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the Saints, for the Patriots, for the, I mean, Steelers. Is Big Ben going to be able to come back and be healthy? We don't know. It was a major surgery for the Titans, for the Bears, for the Colts, for the Raiders, for the Chargers, for the Buccaneers. I mean, the there is just an endless amount of teams here that we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for these teams when when they take the first snap next year. So it is it, there's just so many things that can change over the course of just the next, you know, six weeks. Yeah, the Steelers are the most interesting to me because if they can add a quarterback that's that's it. That's the piece. That's the only piece they they really need. Yeah, that, that defense, defense was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they and they have playmakers on offense as well. I mean, it's offensive it's line just, is good. I mean, yeah, it was it was piss poor quarterback play. No doubt about that. Like for the Steelers that that kept them from doing anything. I mean, we knew they were dead when they got in because of because of the quarterback position. I mean, the, right. the one thing we do know in the NFL is like you can win some games without a quarterback. But I mean, you're not you're not going the distance without a quarterback. I mean, it's just not in, not in today's NFL as pass happy as everything is. And, and as, as much as you need quarterbacks to be able to make play. Yeah. That's it. You know, Steelers, that's an interesting yeah, one. 22 like, to one. I, yeah. Yeah. I like them. It, it, look, it's going to be a fun off season. We're going to be tracking all of this, the lines for the next, however many months. I mean, we're, we're one day after the Super Bowl. We're already talking about it. Like it's, 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 a, it's 365 days, man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm already excited for the next season. So uh, uh, definitely keep an eye out. We'll be covering the NFL draft. We'll be covering the, the free agency and everything and how, how the futures have adjusted. So it's going to be fun. And guess what? Football is uh football's <laughs> over. And then football's immediately, <laughs> immediately right back. We have the XFL that debuts this week, this Saturday, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, the Seattle Dragons are taking on the D.C. Defenders. You have the D.C. Defenders as six-and-a-half-point favorites. You have the Los Angeles Wildcats taking on the Houston Roughnecks. The Roughnecks are three-and-a-half-point home favorites. On Sunday, the Tampa Bay Vipers are taking on the New York Guardians. The Road Vipers are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Guardians. And the St. Louis Battlehawks take on the Dallas Renegades, the home Dallas Renegades, are seven point favorites over the St. Louis a Battlehawks touchdown? Yes, in week one we don't even. I don't even know who. I don't know who's playing. I know that the Renegades are the favorites to win it all. They've got. I think Landry Jones is their quarterback, and Bob Stoops is their head coach. I only know that because we talked to Bob Stoops about the XFL a few weeks ago. That's the only reason I know that. So, obviously, I have not looked into the XFL at all. Fortunately, we do have an. 
a soon-to-be expert on the league. And Juan Carlos Blanco is going to be covering the league from a betting and fantasy standpoint for us all season. So we'll have good content at both sites. But I, I haven't even really looked uh, into the league yet. Have you? I have very minimally. That is actually my that is my thing for the week, actually. All um, right. That is so my thing for the week is I'm really going to, you know, dig down here. I mean, there are going to be players that you're going to be if you if you watch these games, which, you know, hey, look, if you if you need a break from football, I'm not going to be the one to, to point a finger at you. I get it. But, uh, you know, I'll be watching. You're going to be watching. And there's going to be names, though, that you're going to hear throughout the course of this that you're going to be like, oh, okay. So, I mean, like Cardell Jones is in the league. As you mentioned, Landry Jones is in the league. Matt McGloin is in the league. Connor Cook, you might remember him. Yeah, he, he's, can see. Yeah, he's in the league. Um, you've got, uh, let's see, Aaron Murray is in the league. So Josh Johnson watch, is in the league. If, yeah, if you watch college football, you're going to recognize all these quarterbacks for sure. And they're going to be a lot of pass catchers. Uh, and, and you know, running backs that you're going to recognize as well. So that makes the fantasy side of it kind of interesting and fun. Yeah. And, and some of the other names that you might remember, because, you know, these have been kind of NFL players and stuff over the years. Antonio Callaway, most recently, uh, Antonio Callaway yeah. is in the league. Cameron Artis Payne, Sammy Coates, Lance Dunbar is in the league. Coney Ely, Matt Jones, Christine Michael is in the league. You've got, uh, let's see here, Eli Rogers is in the league as well. So there are a lot of guys that, I, you know, if you've paid attention Oh, Terrence Williams, another guy that has been in the league. So, you know, you're, you're going to know some names here and there's going to be some of these guys that will back end up back in the NFL. I, I imagine, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's some pretty some pretty interesting, uh, some pretty interesting rules as well, which I wanted to for this podcast, have some thoughts on how the XFL uh, rules would affect sports betting. And I have to be honest with you, uh, Brett. I don't quite know yet. I'm not going to, I don't want to sit here and say something that ends up being uh, stupid. So, I'm so not, are you, are you going to take this week off and kind of look and see what happens or are you going to kind of dive in and like how, how do you approach this week betting wise? I'm going to place very, very small bets for entertainment okay. purposes, but, um, yeah, I'm not going to really bet this. I mean, listen, how does, you know, I mean, and I don't know if we'll even get you. We'll, we'll only have a four game sample size, so I don't know. But like, how will the, being able to throw multiple forward passes change, the, you know, how you look at a game? There are three point conversions, you know, I mean, like, so you have a, a one point, a two point and a three point conversion how is that going to not only change how you handicap a game but but totals and what are key numbers now if you can do three-point conversions and you know all these different things and so um i'm really going to just kind of soak things in take a bunch of notes and hopefully after a week of watching i can come back here on you know on next week's pod and, and have give you guys a at least some sort of of idea as to how I think this might can can help you whenever you're looking at these games as far as betting perspective but again we'll only have a four game sample so maybe maybe I won't have any maybe I won't have anything to say Brett after all but I hope I will 
Yeah, no, we'll talk about it next week for sure because I think it's interesting. I'll be watching. I really enjoyed the AAF. I thought they, I thought it was uh, pretty fascinating the, the the different stuff they did with football. So the XFL is going to be completely different. So uh, I look forward to, to that and kind of you know I I'll, unfortunately I can't play any fantasy because they don't allow XFL fantasy in New York for some reason. I don't get that. So uh, I, I'll be I'll be looking at it from a betting perspective though for sure because I think. It, there's going to be different strategies uh, when you're trying to cap these things, especially when it comes to the total. Yeah, it's uh, and, and, and like you said, we'll we'll certainly work all season, all season long and, and try to keep you up to date on, you know, what if any angles we find, any patterns we see, any sort of things we start to pick up on. They can help you maybe win some bets here and there because, again, this is what we try to do here at the lines and play picks is help you win. And well, not only help win some bets, but also become just a better sports better, be smarter right. sports better along the way. And that is, you know, something that is way better than us just handing you picks is you becoming a better sports better along the way, because uh, honestly, that's something you can take with you from all of this. Well, Brett, I am glad. I mean, listen, I, I, I say that I'm glad that that, you know, football season is over because I know it is just, I mean, for you and me both, it is burning the candle at both ends and it is, uh, it is exhausting. And I say that now, and I guarantee you three weeks from now, I'm going to be fiending for the NFL yet again. But until then, I got to admit, it's a, a little bit of weight off of the old shoulders here because it is, uh, it is incredibly fun for all of us. And but a lot of the work and a lot of the hours here certainly take a toll on not only you, you guys probably hear it in my voice yet again, still here, uh, but, you know, certainly takes a toll on your mind, your body, your relationships. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> God, God bless significant others out there that are with people like Brett and I and, and, and all the other people who do tons of content in this uh, in this industry, because the the hours are every day, all day. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you are welcoming the the next few weeks as well. Yeah, it's literally seven days a week. I've worked seven days a week the last however many months. So, yeah, it's going to be nice to have a break. But I'm not going to lie. I looked at these futures odds this morning and I'm like ready to go for 2021. Man, I'm like super excited about next season already. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's going to be a nice break. We get a couple weeks here, several weeks here before like the next big betting event, which is March Madness. We'll have a lot of coverage of that as well. And then, of course, you know, you get into baseball season and the Masters and the Kentucky Derby. And that kind of takes you into the dead months of the summer, which I, I am very much looking forward to as well. And then we get right back into the football season. So, uh, man, it doesn't even feel that far away. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> and again, uh, like, like Brad mentioned, I mean, of course we'll be, we'll still have all the NBA goods throughout the uh, course of the season over at the deal. But you know, we, we know that the, we know that the next big, big thing that everyone is going to be looking forward to is March madness. Of course, we'll have coverage of that and the masters as well, which is a become a massive sports betting event that has really just taken the betting world by storm. And we will certainly have top to bottom coverage of that as well. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>